Good morning. The reading this morning is taken from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, and if you would like to turn to that in the Pew Bible, you can find it in the page 832. During my life, I, myself, and others with me in discussion have often talked about, well, exactly what does God want of me? We seek, what is the will of God? And we seek scriptures that speak to us as the will of God. This is such a scripture, a great scripture to commit to memory, should you so choose. The scripture says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. For those of you who know my family and observe the life of our daughter-in-law, Kerry, and our son, Jordan, you have witnessed that scripture lived out today. Thank you. That is indeed the case. And we are grateful that God has blessed people among us with faith that allows them to get through circumstances that are sometimes very difficult. Because it's Canada Day... Because it's a special day, why don't we all stand right now, look around you, and greet somebody today. And you can say, Happy Canada Day, but you can say greeting in whatever way you'd like today. Let's stand and say hi to each other. There's a couple of other things that I'll mention this morning. One is if, one of the things that I did not do earlier was I didn't specifically mention our, our, uh, membership and guest cards this morning and so if if you're a guest with us today if this is your first time here there's a card on the bottom of the order of your assembly and uh, normally i have everybody put those in the baskets when they go around but if you're a guest and you didn't fill that out then just leave that card on the pew or better yet come and grab me afterwards and say here's my card and i'd love to meet you this morning okay second thing i wanted to mention is that derek king is here derek it's great to see you stand up so everybody can see you yeah, Derek King. Derek King is a preacher. He preaches at the Nanaimo, at the, uh, Nanaimo Church of Christ. And uh, we're grateful that he and his family are here. I'm guessing that you probably went out to a graduation or some kind of ceremony at Western. And they're on their way back. And, uh, and they wanted to stop here. And so we're grateful that they did. Great to see you. Good to have you here this morning. Well, Kevin read Philippians chapter 4, and you can keep your finger uh, there in Philippians chapter 4. If you turned there already, that would be great. I'm going to get there in just a moment. A young father finds himself out of work in troubled economic times, hopeful that things will turn around, but deeply concerned that his capacity as a wage earner is going to have to take a completely different course than what he had for the last few years thought would be the case. More training is necessary, but he can't afford it. His severance from his last position is just about out, and unemployment payments will not allow him to meet his current obligations. His 1997 Dodge Neon is on its last legs. His wife's car needs new tires. The baby has grown now to the point where she really does need new shoes. 
And being two weeks behind in making the mortgage, while okay at the present, will not be okay a month later, or a month after that, or a month after that. He and his wife have had to access the food pantry at church only once, but even that was a bit embarrassing. After 36 years of working with the same financial institution, the former banker has been looking forward to his retirement. He and his wife of 41 years will travel, spending quality time with the grandkids, and he finally has time to fish like he's always wanted to. The cabin's only three hours from home, and while the outside needs some painting and the furnace needs to be replaced, it's going to be a welcome place of refuge over the next few years. Perhaps he'll straighten up the corner in the basement, put a desk down there with a computer, and work on writing his own personal history for his children, grandchildren, and future great-grandchildren to remember him by. But he's noticed recently that he keeps forgetting to write down appointments. He sleeps a lot more during the day than he used to, and that report that came back last week from his annual checkup raised a red flag in the eyes of his doctor that the possibility of Alzheimer's exists. What will happen to his wife if a few years from now he cannot take care of himself or if he gets to the point where he doesn't know his family? Could anything be worse than losing your mind? Everything was going so well for Rick and Julia. The settlement of Grandma's estate put them in a great position to buy a bigger home, much needed now with the news that Julia's expecting their fourth child. That was a surprise, since their third is now nine and in grade four. Rick's transmission shop is starting to take off, and recently he had to hire a new technician and a full-time accountant. Last week, a friend of a friend interested in small businesses asked Rick if he could entertain the idea that the idea of opening another shop in a community 30 minutes away would be good. And this investor was willing to put up 60% of what is needed to make this happen. The kids were all healthy. Rick and Julia had recently renewed their 17-year-old wedding vows. And finally, Sandra, the 13-year-old, was starting to take school seriously. Then on Tuesday, Stella... Their 15-year-old daughter was waiting at a stop for the city transit bus headed for the mall after school when three other girls from a rival high school jumped her for no apparent reason. And in the course of being hit and kicked, Stella fell and her head struck the side concrete bench at the bus stop. Seeing she was badly hurt, the girls ran off and a bystander called 911. She was rushed by ambulance to the hospital. Unfortunately... There have been complications from fluid on her brain, and she's had trouble with her vision and speech. Although her life is not in danger, Stella could lose up to 25% of normal brain function if the fluid's not displaced, and that will require some tricky brain surgery. Even then, Stella's looking at months of recovery with the possibility of permanent reduced brain function. Rick and Julia have asked their church to pray. Well... There's a sense in which each one of those scenarios is fictitious. I absolutely made them up. But the fact is that there is scenario after scenario after scenario like those, exactly like those, that are being worked out right now across North America. And there are people everywhere 
who are in various stages of hurt and pain. And many of them are Christians. Have you noticed that problems in life aren't avoided by those who know the Lord? We still sometimes have bad things happen to very good people. And we're called somehow to respond. If things like this haven't happened yet in your family, they will. Maybe it hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen. Every day people find out that they're sick or that their children are sick or that they're about to lose their job or that a loved one is dying. Every day people find out that their spouses have cheated on them and that their cars require thousands of dollars in repair, that their roof is leaking or that their computer has a virus that allowed their identity to be stolen. Every day we live in this place suffering from those kinds of events. But if it was not this place, it would be someplace else and other kinds of events would face us. And it could be, if we were somewhere else, that it would be terrorist bombings. We don't have to put up with that. We hope. But I hear about it every single day. Every day, somebody in our world gets bombed. Every day. Every day I hear about some report of somebody who kidnapped and harmed somebody else. Who knows what will happen while we're meeting here today. Something bad is going to happen to somebody today while we're meeting here. And I don't know where it will be. I don't know exactly what it will be. But something bad, even while I'm speaking right now, is happening to somebody somewhere. And there is at least a possibility that that bad thing that is happening to somebody is in fact happening to a Christian. And somehow a Christian has to respond to the things that are going on. And so I want to ask a question this morning. I want to ask the question, what do you think you'll do when it happens to you? What are you going to do when it happens to you? How will you respond? How will you deal with it? As a Christian, can we allow faith and the presence of God's Spirit to supply us with genuine, profound comfort? And I, I don't want to be um, I don't want to be too glib here in suggesting that we should have the Holy Spirit comfort us in our woes. Like it's an easy thing for me to stand up here as a preacher and say, "In Jesus, everything is going to be just wonderful." And it doesn't matter that much what's happened to you recently. Maybe you've experienced some horrible circumstance, but don't worry about it. Jesus is going to take care of you, and everything is going to be just fine. There are people all over the room this morning who would say, no, they may not be exactly fine. 
Circumstances may not be exactly what we want them to be. God doesn't promise that he will just make everything go away. It doesn't. And so I don't want to be glibly overconfident. I don't want to put a smile on my face and act like everything could just be fine for all those who hurt in various ways. Don't worry about it. Jesus will take care of you. I believe that he will, but for me to act as though that's just not a big deal anymore because Jesus is there, oh man, I think that'd be irresponsible. I think it'd be absolutely inaccurate. It just wouldn't fit with reality if I had that kind of attitude. And you can't have it either. You know, I can't guarantee if there is someone here with cancer today or if there's somebody here who has some other horrible disease. And of course, we know that there is. Or if there is something bad happened to you in the last week or the last month. And there are people here who have experienced that. Obviously, we can't guarantee that everything is just going to be okay. And so it wouldn't make much sense for me to say that. So how do we respond in light of that? Because I'm absolutely convinced that despite the reality of those things in our lives, that God does indeed call us still to be faithful. And in fact, there are promises, just like the one we saw in Philippians chapter 4 already this morning, that make promises about God being there with us and for us and carrying us through those difficult times. And so how do we mesh this notion of God carrying us through difficult times and being there for us, applying comfort and giving us peace even during the most difficult of circumstances. Because that's the reality. We still long for God's comfort and peace to be there during the most difficult times. So you're not going to hear me quote Romans 8.28 this morning in some kind of glib way and say, all things will work together for good for those who love the Lord. I, I actually do believe that. But I don't believe it with a giddiness. I don't believe it in a way that makes me say, don't worry about anything. Because I can't say that. There is still going to be something within us that's filled with pain. I can't say, God can get us through anything. I can get through anything through God who strengthens me. Now, I can say that in some sense, but I don't want to say that glibly, as if it's easy. And so where do we go this morning when a passage in the Bible says that we can have a peace that passes all understanding? What are we going to do with a passage like in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus does say, don't worry? Like you've heard about the birds of the air. You've heard about the lilies of the field. The lilies don't toil and they don't spin. The birds of the air don't have to worry about what they're eating. God is taking care of them. Jesus specifically says that. And so does he expect then for me to be lighthearted about all the things that go on in my life? I don't think so. He does say to the disciples, he's getting ready to leave the earth in John 14. And he says specifically to them, don't be troubled. 
trust in God, trust also in me. And it makes me think, in light of we can have a peace that passes all understanding, and that we're called not to worry, the fact that we do see a God who works through all circumstances, the fact that Jesus does say, don't be troubled, makes me think that beyond the big smile and the manufactured joy that maybe sometimes isn't really there, and the overly positive attitude about my circumstances, no no matter how bad they are, it makes me think that beyond all of that, that God actually does supply us with something profound. That God provides provides us with something deep. That there is a, a reality about the peace that can come to us through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives that allows me to say that I have confidence in faith in God even despite or in place of the giddiness that sometimes Christians talk about when they reflect on how God's supposed to work in our lives. So you're not going to get the glibness from me today. You're not going to get just the big smile. You're not going to hear me say that everything is just great. But I am going to say that I believe with all my heart that for those who hurt in various ways, that the deep, profound guidance and peace of God can be ours. And it may be ours through the most difficult of circumstances. That it that may be ours only through agony. And that real pain may be there that drives us to our knees and causes us to listen to God and be touched by His Spirit at those darkest of moments only. But that when He does come, and He will come at those moments, that when He comes, then profound joy and real peace and, and not just a glib smile, but a profound sense of joy can be ours in Christ, despite the circumstances that we feel. You know, Kevin mentioned a moment ago, Carrie and Jordan. And of course, we, because Jordan and Carrie have gone through so much, and because we've experienced so much of that with Jordan and Carrie, it's, it's a natural one for us to turn and to talk about all the pain that they have experienced in losing two children to the same disease. But they're not the only ones. There are other people in the room today who've lost children. There are other people in the room today who've had to undergo and experience incredible hardship. And there are some of you today who are wrestling with things that are challenging, no doubt, your faith And causing you to wonder, is God watching out for me? Is He going to take care of me? Am I going to be all right? And I can't say, I can't guarantee it, I can't say, yes, you're going to be all right. That'd be a a pretty foolish thing to say to people who have experienced the kind of pain that some of you are experiencing right now. That would be silly. But I can say, 
that when Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord, again I say, rejoice in the Lord. That I think we can. Always, he says, we can rejoice in him. And it's not because he takes all the pain away, but because through the pain, God comes and he visits us and something happens between ourselves and his spirit at the darkest of moments. And how many people here have experienced those times when you fell to your knees in your loneliness or in your pain and in your deep need and you found that when you fell to your knees, God was there with you. Because he's, he promises that he will be. And there's something that goes on between the aching human heart and this God of love and comfort who sends his spirit to be within those whom he loves. There's something that happens there. There's a dynamic that takes place between the Christian and God in the midst of great pain. That when the Christian throws him or herself completely on the Lord at your most bankrupt moment, that that's where God meets you. And His comfort and His abiding peace that only the Spirit can provide comes to us and ministers at that moment. I've experienced this so many times in my life that I can't begin to count. And so I know that it's real. I'm not talking as one who hasn't known pain, but I talk as one who has known pain, who has been there, who's experienced loss, who's been there at dark, dark moments and found myself having no recourse, no place to turn, nowhere to go other than to my knees and to the Lord and to receive the comfort and peace that only He provides. And so there are going to be times in the next minutes maybe. But there are going to be times in the next hours and days, the week, the month. I mean, what's the, what's the foggiest possibility that we'll go through the next year without somehow experiencing great pain? It's not going to happen. There is going to be pain. And when it comes, how will we respond? Several years ago, there was a fellow, you've heard his name, many of you, Norman Vincent Peale. He was actually a preacher. But the thing that used to drive me crazy when I would pick up one of his books was that his attitude about the things that would face us in life was, if we just approached everything with, and many of you know this, this positive mental attitude that we would be okay. Well, I don't know much about positive mental attitude in terms of its power to lift up and hold up and bolster the human spirit. My fear is, that positive mental attitude in terms of bolstering the human spirit, because it's human-based, is going to be about as effective as other things are that are of human origin. And that we have trouble with that. That's not as successful as we want it to be. 
But I'm not calling today for us to be dependent on a positive mental attitude. (laughs) I'm calling today for us to be dependent on the Lord. Dependent on the Holy Spirit who lives within us and who longs to give us that kind of strength. And who better, who possible to hold us up at the darkest of moments than the Lord Himself who knows not only everything that we are and everything that we experience, but has Himself experienced incredible agony and been lifted up within Himself as the only source of power and strength. When Jesus is in the garden and experiencing all that He's experiencing, when He's going through His ministry and He's challenged at every front, Isn't it God Himself through His Spirit that holds up His Son and blesses Him and empowers Him and enables Him to do exactly what God wants Him to do? And so we need to be there like Jesus. We need to recognize the power that's available to us only in Him. And going anywhere else to try and gain some kind of sustenance or to find light at those dark moments is going to take us away from the very source of life that He is for us. And so here's a very practical thing to do because some of you in the next, as I said, week, the next month, some of you are going to get, one of you is going to get that phone call that you don't want to get There's going to be an accident. There's going to be some bad news. There's going to be a job that's lost. There's going to be a child who's sick. Obviously, I'm no prophet, but these things are easy to predict. What will we do? And I hope that you turn back in your mind to today and you recognize that the only source of your ultimate peace and comfort at the darkest of moments will be your relationship with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit living within you. We have to seek spiritual answers. And through those, God will bless us richly. Let's pray. Father, I don't know which person in the room today will receive some kind of bad word next. Father, I don't know the nature of the bad news. But it's an easy thing to predict that it's coming. Father, help us at those darkest of moments to recognize that we're not alone, that you don't leave us alone, that you provide us with the presence of your Spirit, and that through your Spirit you begin to work good things for those who love you. That through your Spirit you begin to provide a peace 
that passes all understanding. That through your Spirit, you give us a comprehension of what you might be doing and and a peace that allows us not to worry and not, not be other than the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. And Father, we need that in our lives and we're going to need it at some moment in the future. When it comes, help us to turn to you first before all else for your comfort and peace and strengthen us through the presence of your Spirit. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen.